the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 74, recorded Friday, January 18th, 2013. CES is not dead yet. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It is time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, with us this week is Mr. 49er himself, Rich Fregoza from FregozaDesign.com. How are you, sir? Good. Uncle Richie says go Niners. Okay. And uh, first, first 2013 podcast for me, so... Uh... Glad to be on. Yes, but not your first time doing webish stuff. I watched you the other day doing the uh, the CE Pro webinar, so that was very cool. Yeah, thanks. I, I didn't intend to do it solo, so that was uh, uh, unfortunately uh, uh, Johnny uh, Moda, our, our other frequent panelist, was supposed to be with me, but he was too busy working, so <laughs> I was I was not happy about that. You know, you'd think he'd do the free stuff first. Those darn jobs that get in the way. Uh, Mr. Phil Cordell, he is the AV professional. Um, I don't know if you're the only rap artist that does AV-centric stuff, but you're the best one that I know. How about that? Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Uh, and last but not least, Bill Steitler. He is an associate editor with Appletail. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, absolutely. Uh, th- this week is kind of a hodgepodge of stuff. We're going to start out kicking around CES. I know it was a whole week ago, but there's some AV stuff that came out of it, and we'll we'll talk about it here in a second. The devil, you say? I know, I know. It was a long time ago. We already have another another uh, trade show to talk about. You know, ISC is coming up in a couple weeks. So and MacWorld iWorld. <sighs> See, I know. we'll talk about MacWorld because actually, Crestron <laughs> did win an award uh, at MacWorld. Um, we can talk about um, what Windows 8 means to AV, maybe very possibly. And also, Samsung is making $8 billion. I'm doing Eight. something wrong. The, the thing with the pinky? Yes, billion. Billion dollars. $8 billion. But first, uh, one of the four of us actually trudged over to Las Vegas, and it wasn't me, nor Bill, nor Phil. Kind of rhymed. Um, Mr. Fergoza, why don't you give kind of a, a, a rundown here of the world of the Consumer Electronics Show and, you know, kind of what your takeaway was from this year? You know, it was, uh, CES was interesting this year. I got in, uh, I think the day after press day, um, some more seasoned and I thought more, uh, more fun leaders handled the press duty. So I got, I was basically there covering it for CE Pro, uh, blogging for them and doing a lot of videos and, um, booth tours and uh, our illustrious leader, Julie Jacobson, kind of set me loose and said, just kind of go look at whatever interests you. So I pretty much took in the entire show. And the takeaway that I got from it is it it almost felt like a tale of two shows. Um, (laughs) When you go to the Central Hall, you had kind of, you know, the new big five. So there was Sony, Samsung, LG, uh, 
Toshiba, Panasonic, you know, the, the, the people that we used to see there. And it felt like the normal CES that we read about, you know, lots of displays, big TVs and, uh, uh, you know, new technologies and, and, you know, AV components galore. But you got outside of the central hall or out of the main floor, and I felt that it might as well have been called the mobile, devo- the mobile device slash tablet slash Android uh, show um, because it was all about mobile and headphones. You know, it was it was the, it was the tablet and headphones show. Uh, you know, I think there was even one furniture manufacturer that was showing headphones. That's how nutty it got. Uh, so. You know, you could see that it was definitely that that paradigm shift is starting to occur um, that we've been talking about for a couple of years. And I think we said last year even, it's like, you know, we've seen a lot of headphones. Now I wouldn't be surprised if it picks up speed and it picked up even more speed this year. Um, really, I, I walked away kind of scratching my head wondering if makeup is going to be here within the next three to four years. I, I truly think that... What may wind up happening is all these mobile manufacturers might get together and say, we don't really need this show anymore. And, uh, you know, in the same manner that well, what happened at Convex, you know, gosh, 20 years ago with the wow. computer industry, um, you start to feel that CES is getting a little long in the tooth. And although they said that, you know, it was one of the biggest shows in history, uh, you know, maybe in square footage, but I think that's just because they might have had wider hallways <laughs> uh, in order to make it feel bigger. But in terms of the overall kind of teeming masses that were there, it didn't feel as busy even as last year. Really? Uh, yeah. You know, and again, I, and this is anecdotally how I felt about it. And I was through all of the halls. It just felt as if there wasn't near the same kind of um, density uh, of people during, during the day. Um, so, you know, it was pretty interesting. You know, but again... Got to see lots of 4K, got to see lots of OLED, got to see lots of curved LEDs, some great audio demonstrations. Um, really happy with what some of the wireless audio solutions, especially WISA, was doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's CES, you know, what, what is it? I'm, I'm not dead yet, oh, is, is kind of what I felt you know. like with CES. Five minutes in, and there's a Monty Python reference. Yeah. Uh, hey, Rich, I have a question. Yeah. Did you did, were you at the uh, Qualcomm keynote? God no. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, the put Maroon Five on stage and then not play their music because you didn't license it. <laughs> yes, it was just. Uh, yeah, that was some good stuff. That that was some good stuff. No, I uh, I read several of the tweets about it, but uh, no, I was glad that I did not participate. In oh, that. I would have loved to have been there for that. That would have been amazing. Second only to the Tim Tebow uh, signing over at Soul Headphones. <laughs> <laughs> there was a line out the door that the oh, press couldn't get in. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. Yeah, I went to CES two or three years ago, and I and I think I agree with Rich is that it's sort of a really weird. It's a really weird sort of mix of well, I mean, it's consumer electronics, but then there are also people who are trying to get you excited about their new the new capacitors that they've you know invented, and so it just seems like it's it's too much. There's it's too broad of a category. Okay, so let me ask you guys this because the only shows that I've never been to a CES. Uh, I came this close to going this year. Um, what is that? How is that different? And, and, and I'm not trying to be simplistic here. I understand it's consumer electronics. And, 
But how is how does that vary from maybe Cedia, which is a little more resi, you know, uh, that's more home, you know, consumer. Um, what do you guys eskies still? Uh, <laughs> um, but um, and then you've got Infocom, which is you know more pro and installed. Uh, then you have ISE, which is a nice combination of both. Kind of give me uh, the 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 elevator pitch for going to CES, maybe um, uh, if it's tablets and headphones. In, I don't know. In our side of the industry, less and less compelling reasons, uh, unless you are planning on being as much up to date as you can on kind of the the BYOD, the bring why you okay. bring your own device movement so that you can kind of plan and see what people might be bringing um, that you have to interact with. Uh, but in terms of either the pro market or the CI market, uh, it's becoming less and less um, of a draw. because and, that, and that's what we've been seeing kind of across the board, mm-hmm. is that you're finding more and more uh, kind of focused trade shows you know, or road shows or mm-hmm. manufacturers, demos. Everything's gotten to the point where, you know, we're finding that, you know, it, it, you gain a lot from going to CES and just in terms of being able to see the devices and talk to the people and, and still be with decision makers and, and get answers from people that you can. I know that some accessories, I was able to deal with some people on the manufacturing and the technical support side. I couldn't get across my problem through an email or a technical support ticket. And I sat down in front of the, the head of technical support and he took care of me. So there's still a lot to be said about relationship building mm-hmm. from a show like that. But if you're strictly going for the technology or the gadgetry side, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily cater to, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, you know, if you're in government or education or pro sound or, or CE with the exception of the high end audio stuff, uh, you pretty much could have taken a virtual tour from the 500, uh, you know, large uh, streaming and blogging sites that were on there. I mean, TechCrunch was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, TechCrunch, CNET, uh, CE Pro mm-hmm. was. I mean, you guys were all over the place. What, the one interesting side note on all of that is uh, my personal podcasting here, Leo Laporte, uh, did not bring his his entire network this year, which I found. Maybe maybe that should have been the, the writing on the wall before Rich mm-hmm. even said, you know, maybe that, maybe that was the blood in the water when the it comes that, to, you know, hey, this might be dying. The thing that I noticed that struck me about um, CES, and I've been to, I was at Mac, I've been going to Macworld since, you know, Apple used to be there, was Jeez. that... Sorry, that was yeah. funny. And that's we all, liked it. That, it yeah. was good. It's just like, <laughs> get off I mean, my lawn, and that's, you <laughs> and that's the And that's the thing. I mean, even now, now that it's just more of a you know a trade show for people who make accessories for Apple, I mean, it's the stuff that's available now. Whereas when I went to CES, it was all this sort of pie-in-the-sky stuff. Oh, this is what's going to be hot three to five years from now. And let us show you these products we think we might have in the next, you know, in the coming year. Like that was the year I went was the year that they were showing off uh the Droid and the uh the Playbook tablets. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't actually handle them and I remember going to the Droid booth to see the Droid and it was just like they had the people there showing them off. But what you were seeing was a movie of what they thought the interface was going to look like when they released it in a year. And that just completely blew my mind that the people were showing off products that weren't, you know, in any sort of consumer usable form. Okay, but th- isn't that kind of the point anymore, Bill, where, you know what, I, I, and I've, I've been, believe me, I've been at the head of the line when it comes to, to blasting people for showing vaporware, obvious yeah. vaporware. 
Um, but isn't that kind of the point anymore? I mean, we, we are in a such a fast-moving technolo- technological society that you best not show up to a trade show with something that you're not even planning on shipping in the next, let's say, 12 months to give them you know, the benefit but, of the doubt. And maybe this is coming from the Apple side where they don't show off something until it's, it's like, okay, you can buy this. You know, Three months Tomorrow. is a long time. Yeah, three months is a really long time to wait for an Apple product mm-hmm. once they announce it. And I think that's why Microsoft got out of CES is that they're tired of, okay, we have to have something to show. That, and I, I, that, that mentality just completely blows my mind. Well, what's, well what was the false, it? Just, there was a false arms race there, which was hilarious. And a couple of people have commented on it about the, the TV manufacturers um, in that all of them had their own variant of, uh, between Samsung, Sony, Toshiba, and LG, and Panasonic, I think, even. They all had their own variant of either the first, quote-unquote, or the largest 4K TV or OLED TV in the world. Or both. They were all first in the world, or first largest, or first largest curved, or first largest curved 4K 3D. So it's like each one had an additional comma every time that you looked at their marketing sign. Um, That was, it was just, it got, it got ludicrous at one point because they were. And Sony, I think, was the funniest one for me. Because last year we talked about, and we talked about the podcast last year, Sony made this big splash with Crystal, right? I get up to the Sony booth, and it was like, you know, they had these guys in front going, these are not the crystals you're looking for. (laughs) Oh, nice. And I sat there looking. There was not a mention of crystal LED anywhere. It was like it ceased to exist. I was like, crystal LED? Oh, we never had that. And you you know what, Fergoza? You're the reason I kept looking for it all year long, too. (laughs) Oh, and I was blown away by it. And I showed up at the show, and I was like, what gives? <laughs> they had a meeting somewhere and said crystal is not is not uh, trending well. Let's go back to OLED and yeah. 4K. So if my here's here's my pitch if you to get if if my job is to get you to go to CES, if you are a member of the press, you will get to go to so many parties where they have free booze and food at really nice bars. That's the pitch. That's why you should go. Yes. Bill, okay. Bill you should That's work for stuff. CES. <laughs> Oh my! All right. Well, here one 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 final thing about this, um, and then we'll move on from from CES because everybody and their brother, like Rich said, you know, there's five hundred thousand streamers. Um, what has Rich? I'll start with you, and then we'll go around to, to to Phil and Bill. What did you take away? Like, what is the one or two things that we should be watching this year? That from a technology standpoint, from CES, from from consumer electronics standpoint. What is a technology or what is a, a gadget that we should be watching this year? Android is going to be all over the place. Says, I, says the says, Apple fanboy. Says the Apple fanboy. Mm-hmm. Um, to, it, there's going to be a couple of things that I took as takeaways. One, Android is going to make a huge push this year. And, uh, you know, the, the, there was tons of manufacturers coming out with different form factors, different sizes, different price points. A lot of the major manufacturers are also tr- um, embracing the Android ecosystem as well as the Apple ecosystem. Well, more so um, for the second screen. The, 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 the buzzword for this year in terms of consumer electronics is going to be second screen technology. Hmm. That's the biggest one that I saw. All five of the manufacturers that I, I spent time with, Samsung, Panasonic, etc., 
they were all touting their own version of second screen technology where they were they were either pushing content onto an iOS or Android device or uh, viewing content from the display on an Apple or Android device. Um, and that was a big one. Panasonic was really pushing the issue hard, so was Samsung. And we're seeing more and more that they're... And, and, and what's funny is that they're all isolated competing ecosystems. Yeah. None of the systems talk with each other. That so if you've got a Samsung TV in your house and a Panasonic TV in your house, you're in trouble. You know, if you stay within their ecosystem, you were fine. But that was the big thing that we were seeing was this whole second screen technology push where, you know, if um, I think it was Panasonic and, and I think Samsung showed it off as well, where if you were watching um, a source input on your display, you could on your iPad access the other input on the display. So say if you had uh, a cable TV signal coming in, you could see what was playing on the HDMI input on your iPad um, or vice versa. Uh, or you could use your iPad as a roaming second screen synced up to what was on the main screen. Uh, so that, that, you know, it's the natural evolution I think we're seeing of, of tablets, um, especially the generation of users that are coming along that are using their second screens exclusively. You know, they're multitasking with mm -hmm. their displays. You know, the whole single screen sit down and kind of enjoy whatever you're watching, that's gone at this point. You know, we're, we're definitely going to be handing out Ritalin with every display that comes <laughs> up at this point. <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Cordell, Mr. AV Professional, what was, because you weren't there, Bill wasn't there, and I wasn't there, um, from an outsider looking in and getting all of the, um, all of the uh, information out of Vegas, what was the one or two things that you took away from CES? Uh, I don't want to blow any stories for later on, but, uh, but, oh, but that razors, the go razor ahead. edge, man, the, yeah, the razor edge, the bestest show from CES 2013 this year was, uh, was pretty, pretty, uh, phenomenal. I would say not just from a, a gaming standpoint, but obviously from what I do in AV, what we do in AV, you know, uh, it's a pretty powerful gadget, you know, this new tablet that's just got scorching hot processors and scorching hot graphics. And, uh, it's, you know, it was compiled, I guess, kind of as a gaming tablet. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm integrating tablets into AV systems left and right these days. And, and uh, some of them are a little clunky from time to time. So I would love to see what one of these things can do with uh, with some of the graphics packages that we load into them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Phil, have, Phil, have you seen the, uh, the Padcaster? I have not seen a Padcaster. A Padcaster, Padcaster is uh, it's an essentially an SLR cage for the iPad. So it's got an okay. aluminum frame and a neoprene insert that you mount the iPad in, and it lets you mount it on a tripod uh, or monopod, and also mount gear around the uh, the outside on the aluminum frame. Real quick, Bill, have, it's, it's I, the Padcaster.com. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I you actually get it now. had a just, just there's also a uh, iPhone version made by a couple of several companies. I actually shot my videos on my iPhone 4S using a badly named product called the iPole. Shut <laughs> 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 up, Bob. Yeah, they could have spent a little bit more on marketing, but it was a handheld device that allowed me to, in essence, use my iPhone with one hand as a Steadicam mm -hmm. while I was doing my mic interviews. And another company that I interviewed basically made a weighted a handled uh, device with a gimbal that basically turned my iPhone into a steady cam. Oh, yeah, I so have those. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah, if you needed accessories, cool stuff. But, yeah, uh, 
I, I, I was reticent to put uh, on my CE Pro videos, you know, recorded in with iPole, so. <laughs> Just bought a Padcaster. You did, seriously? <laughs> now, I will tell you, they, they, they make an attachment for it called the Lenscaster that lets you, in theory, you, get, you can put a um, depth of field uh, thing on there. That, they, have those a, are, they have a combo on their website, by the way. Yeah, those are a little tricky. The The actual depth of field thing, that's a little tricky to find. So make sure that you know. They have a PDF that explains how to actually use that. So make sure you look at that before you try to, try to jump right it. in there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All right, uh, Bill, real quickly, what's, what was your one or two uh, takeaways from CES? And we'll, we'll move away from that. My Vegas. prediction is that nothing that has been announced as a game changer will actually be Thanks. produced. That's awfully been... safe. But yes, I yeah. would agree with that. Uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, nothing really penetrated my uh, field of vision as like, oh, this is this is something that we haven't seen before. It just seems like, it was, you know, like I said, two years ago I went and it was going to be 3D TV and now it's 4K 3D TV and I don't think that they've solved the problems that they had with 3D TV yet, so. Next year it'll be 8K, just so you all know. <sighs> That's double. It's yeah. double that. And then next year there'll be 16 and then the year after that it'll be, you know, How many 2000. Ks can we get? Before they retire it, and, you know, I don't know. Um, how many U's can we get, you know, ultra, 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 ultra HD? So, uh, this comes to us from New York Times. We were talking, about, you know, Rich mentioned the big five. Uh, one of the biggest players still in AV is outside of AV, and um, its name is Samsung. And this is just real quick, and just kind of a, a question for all of you guys. Um, you know, Samsung, the, the story is that they're making $8.3 billion dollars. Um, and the question is this, they've got, not only do they have their hands in displays and they have their hands, uh, in Android and, and, and some would have made the, the argument probably rightfully so that they're going after Apple, uh, with being fully vested into the Android market. Um, is there any, any reason that we should not expect them to at least dump some of this money back into um, the AV market when it comes to whether it's trying to develop, you know, 4K or 8K, and I understand that's a buzzword, but it's it's an awfully popular buzzword. Um, Bill, is there any reason we shouldn't expect them to to dump at least a portion of that and maybe even a healthy portion into you know displays and and, and technology on our end, or no, are I they going to take that's... all eight billion and, and dump it into Android? <laughs> into building Android, yes. Uh, it depends. Not I, you Android, know. you know what I mean. I think that uh, they have to look at what you know. What's the most profitable part of it? And um, I think it was uh, it might have been uh, John Gruber pointed out that Samsung is making an awful lot of money by copying Apple. And there's uh, even if they get fined, there's no reason for them to stop doing that because there's so much more profit to be made in that. I find it, but I find it really interesting that you know, like HTC, I think their profits were to everybody. Basically, Samsung and Apple are the two companies that are making a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, in the smartphone market. So. But Samsung is one of those companies that just makes everything. So are they going to make better cameras? Yeah, of course they are because you have to have, you know, it's like every year you have to have a higher resolution or a cheaper camera. But uh, I don't know if we're going to see anything like truly groundbreaking in that in that area. I think we're going to see more better phones. More better phones. Rich, you, you said that this was probably the the year of Android and the, and they and them taking over maybe. Um Samsung obviously has has a say so in that. Is that where they're going to spend this eight billion dollars, or is it going to be you know dispersed amongst the troops? Uh, I think that the uh, 
you know, they 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 definitely mentioned you know um, iOS in their conversations, um, but I, I do see that. Yeah, I, I think that it's it, and the reason being is that you know in terms of worldwide growth of numbers, Android does sell a whole lot of devices outside of North America. Mm-hmm. And that's something, you know, that we don't always consider at the time as we, we always look at, you know, what's being sold in our backyard. But there's a whole lot of non-Apple devices that are being sold in other parts of the world. And I think absolutely Samsung's saying, you know what, no problem at all. We've got a great foothold in North America, but let's go ahead and just keep uh, increasing our market share in other parts of the world. So, yeah, you know, one would think <laughs> that they would, they would, make a stronger push to to become the new 800 pound gorilla in the market and i, I don't see any signs of them sh- slowing down that's for sure yeah i, I don't either and, and phil uh, yeah phil uh, rich makes a good point you know the u.s market is i'm not going to say we're insignificant but how many billions of people are there on the planet and we're 300 million of them so you know what that it, it, it may be where they take their money and and dump it into you know being the worldwide domination worldwide domination baby that's it. We all see it coming. <laughs> They're going to beat Apple to a pulp. So. Well, I mean, it's just interesting, you know, when when they open open it up like that, like Android did to everybody, and and uh, I mean, it, to me, it was just a matter of time. Yes, Apple's got something really cool and special, and from a design standpoint, uh, it's just excellent. But but you know, when you let everybody get their hands in there, uh, as Android has done. It's uh, it's going to lead to good things, I think. You know. Didn't but didn't didn't they just change Android so that you have to agree to an SDK before you can? Yeah, I'd heard something about that as well, but I I think that it's still, they still have more options available to them and to the the wider public. Well, that's also the, to get the the latest versions. I mean, you can still have you know, HTCs that are running you know Eclair if you want. You know. Yeah. So. Actually, I have a general question for for any of the three of you, and and this is a general Apple question. Mm-hmm. Um, did they not see this coming? And I'm only asking because early on in in the conversations, and actually we've talked about it on this podcast probably a year or so ago, um, the fact that Android and Google um, kind of s- not stole, they you know copied and pasted uh, Microsoft's <laughs> um, playbook from the '80s, right? Uh, here comes Apple, and it's all proprietary, and it's expensive, and da 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 da. And instead of you know taking the Microsoft, hey, here's an inexpensive OS you can put on any machine, Google said, here's a free OS, put it on any device you want. Did they not see that coming? I, they probably. Well, I don't think that they did. You know, Jobs famously told. Uh, Told Eric Schmidt that he was going to spend every penny of the company's money trying to destroy them for, for stealing Android. So I don't think they anticipated that. But, but Apple isn't playing the game that everybody else plays. They're not trying to get 100% of the market share. They're they're going after. They have their own particular vision, of the products they want to make. And, and I would agree with that while while Jobs was alive. But I don't know that you know, I, I don't I don't, I don't see that anymore. Well, but, but I mean, Apple did spend a whole lot of money trying to get Samsung products not sold yeah. in North America, which are basically Android devo- devices. So, you know, yes, I think they saw it coming. I think they prepared for it. Um, the fact that they're, you know, trying to bring about, you know, lower cost solutions. I think what they've found out is that they maybe have me- reached 
the largest concentration that they're going to get in terms of the premium product. You know, they, they, they kind of that right. well starting to dry up a little bit. You know, they they've pretty much, you know, they've they've ridden for six years on the coattails of the iPhone. The iPhone was a revolutionary device. Mm -hmm. The iPad was an iteration of the iPhone, completely transformed a market that nobody else could tap into. That was three years ago. So what's happened now is after two back-to-back -back grand slams, Apple currently doesn't have anything, you know, any arrows in the quiver like that right now. So what's happening is exactly what we're seeing with the numbers. Everybody else is catching up. You know, other options are becoming available. They're giving consumers the choice where initially Apple was the only player, you know, with, with, with any real chips in the game. There was no choice. Exactly. I, I want to point out that Apple doesn't have any products that we know about. Uh, <laughs> yes, this and, is true. And no, we are not, again, this is not, oh, here's this amazing product that in two years we'll be ready for it. But I, the thing is, I mean, Apple is still an extreme, they're the largest company. <laughs> they're the most profitable company mm -hmm. in this field. And I don't think that they, I mean, you talk about the Android ecosystem and you talk, and you jokingly said, okay, you can take Eclair and put that on a device. Well, companies are still doing virtually that. I mean, yeah. they're making quote-unquote smartphones that use Android that people aren't using for anything except for being a phone. So how does that, you know, draw in a developer for uh, to make a program when they have to, you know, you you can't program for every Android device unless your your program unless your app is so incredibly weak that it can run on everything. No, and, and that's valid. Uh, real, real quickly, if, if you read the uh, the Steve Jobs biography, Rich, uh, actually the iPad came first, and they 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 kind of took that and put it on the on the iPod I, iPhone. To market. To market. Yes, to, to market. market. Yes, to right. market. That's, so. That was my point. And that, and that was that was that right there. That was a revelation to me. I was like, holy crap! Seriously? Well, the comparison I always like to make is that um, the is that the iPhone and the iPad, the, the whole iOS thing, they're not really phones or tablets, they're consoles. And that's what's really attractive to the developers yeah. is when you are programming for it, you know exactly what the specs are. Because every device is going to be the same. Yeah. As opposed to where as opposed to like the Android, which is like the PC market. And you have to tell people, okay, you need these specs and these specs and these specs. And I think that's actually where the the the, the comparison to Windows in, in, in 1980 uh, actually completes is the fact that yeah, you do have to do all all that. But yet again, it's it's a free OS, and there you go. Uh, all right, you are listening to AV Week with Mr. Bill Steitler from uh, Apple Tell, Phil Cordell, the AV professional, and Rich Fergoza from Fergoza Design. Um, we're going to get into a couple of other things real quickly, guys. Kind of rapid fire on on these. Um, Crestron, real quickly, we they had this thing, and it's well, it's wireless. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's called it's called Rava. All right. And well, it's it's hands-free communication over Ethernet for Crestron, and I don't know if anybody is excited about this. I'm still confused about it. So, um, I, either you, Rich, or you, Phil. I guess Rich will start with you. Um, is this something to be excited about? And can you please unconfuse me? Yeah, um, <laughs> to be excited about, I, I wouldn't use. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Thank I think you. It's, it's, it's something else that's nice. I, you know, the big problem that, that – uh, and, and this is really more for 
the way that I see it is more for residential use. I'm sure there are tons of uh, commercial and educational applications for it. I, I haven't gone completely into the specs yet to see if it's robust enough, their, the, the, the Crestron offering to work with. You know, Internet telephony is not anything new. And that's basically what we're doing, is we're, we're just dropping Internet telephony into touch panels. And, and Crestron is, is doing that with Rava or Rava or whatever, you know, it's called. Rava. Uh, but, you know, and, and what, they're, what they're basically saying is, look, you know, um, you already have this device in the room. Rather than having this device and a separate phone, or may, which you may or may not have in there, which may be an analog system, which may be um, a closed uh, IP uh, telephony system that doesn't work with it, you can use these to very quickly have panel-to-panel communications. And so whether that it is a small wall panel, whether it's some versions of our wireless panel, um, like with the 8XGA, which is the, um, their 8-inch wireless touch panel, um, or coming soon with our new lower-cost in-wall touch panels, you can have touch panel-to-touch panel communication and use it as, a, as an intercom, as a virtual intercom. And with these outboard devices made by a company called Barracks, you can go ahead and inject existing analog devices hmm. as intercom. So you could theoretically have somebody ring the doorbell or an old analog door station, have it ring across all of the touch panels, maybe across the distributed music system so you know that they're there, go up to any touch panel in there and do the basic, you know, push to talk, you know, talk to, the, to them, have the conversation, release the door lock or the gate and let them in and, and be able to see the video cameras as they come in. So it's, it, it, it's just uh, another part, I think, of Crestron saying, look, we're trying to be in the single source solution for all of it. So we can provide the technology so that you can get your video camera streamed to your touch panel or mobile device. We also do have the ability for the controls. We have our music system, our speaker system, our amplifiers, our video distribution. And now, by the way, we also do intercom. And, don't and, forget and that's shades. kind of what I see it. And don't forget shades. And don't forget shades. I really wish they'd stop that, by the way. Um, <laughs> sorry. Well said, Uncle Richie. Yeah, I, you know, I did, I've said this before. I wish that they would c- focus on their core competencies and try to sell and stop trying to sell me shades, because the the minute that my Crestron rep walks in with a microphone, I'm leaving. <laughs> because they because <laughs> they will. Guess just give them time. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's and move. I, I Go ahead. It's, as I say, it, it's just expansion of, of, you know, new technologies. Yeah, we can throw that in there. We can do that, too. We can do this, too. You got a VoIP system? Yeah, now we can integrate that. You know, we'll do that, too. Um, almost from a, you know, are they they're attempting to be like the smartphone of the AV uh, world where it'll do, you know, your Crestron panel will do multiple, multiple functions now as opposed to just controlling your room, you know, and they, they really do take that into whole home integration. And I think in a house, that would probably be kind of a neat thing to show your neighbors, you know. Like that's a real phone call going on in there. But uh, I know that other manufacturers have, you know, have already integrated audio as well as some video calls, I believe, on their touch panels. Something tells me there's a frozen yogurt machine in George Feldstein's office. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, now that we can control, you know, wolf wolf ranges with it, you know, not only that, but we'll defrost yes. it so they're so that Yeah, what is that about? Like, bam. I mean, come on. I just I uh, I'm sorry. I almost want to do it just because. I'm surprised you haven't, honestly. <laughs> do you have a wolf range? Let's start with that. Not, 
Technically, yes, but it's sitting in my garage until we get the kitchen um, kitchen remodeled. It was a wedding present, and it has been sitting beauteously in my garage doing nothing. So, yes, but uh, I didn't buy it. <laughs> but you can control it now. So, But I do have a new 46-inch display in my dining room. Ooh, jeez. Uh, which my wife originally had said, why are you putting this big TV in there? And then a couple of weeks later, she went, okay, yeah, you're right. It's a pretty cool. 46? <laughs> it's not that big. It's not like you bought a freaking, you know, 90-inch. She, she's about 20 feet away in the kitchen. So, you know, I figured that it was actually, it was proportionately scaled for the yeah, room. perfect. So, you know, got, got to get your food network on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've gotten hooked on uh, the Pioneer Woman. So that's my, my new food network uh, Sorry, totally side note. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Infocom this week uh, released a new AV systems performance ver- verification checklist. Both they and uh, Cedia uh, have actually started uh, pretty proficiently releasing um, white papers and checklists and stuff like that. Uh, Phil, is this a something we needed in the industry, or are they just kind of adding to what we already have? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it hurts. I think having standards for industry is certainly a good thing. Uh, you know, when you see guys... Working out of not that there's anything wrong necessarily with working out of your car, but you know, you run some people that are not AV pros uh, and and might not have much business doing what we do, uh, and that's not to say they can't learn to do what we do. But uh, I, I'm glad there are documents out there that show people the right methods. Now, new paperwork and all that good stuff. I I, I don't know about that. So we'll see. Uh, Bill, is this something where somebody can either it's a it's a DIYer or you know like. Phil said somebody who maybe yeah they they do onesie twosies off maybe they're more of a of a uh, you know a, a sound contractor and they do some video on the side that helps them out and say hey you know here's some here's some best practice you you might want to follow it's it would be more useful if I could think of any person who wasn't in the industry who would know what this means okay basically it's a big rubber stamp that you see on the back of it's like you know ISO nine thousand compliant. Which is means something if you're in the industry, but you drive by the factories and you see these big signs that say we're an ISO 9001 compliant. Well, that means absolutely nothing to most people, other than you paid to have the money, you know, paid the money to have the sign put up. So I, I think it's useful if you guys are keeping an eye on each other. But I don't, you know, in terms of helping the consumer, I don't. Um, Rich, he, he makes a good point, but it does it help like when you guys start uh, hiring fresh young faces straight out of college or straight out of high school, give at least gives them some sort of direction. That's you know nine thousand one, nine thousand two, whatever, whatever it takes. takes. <laughs> <laughs> How many ISOs can we get on this project? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there's, I, I think certification and checklists, and there's nothing ever, there's nothing ever anything ever wrong with that. Um, I think it allows, at the very least, to be able to say, these are the minimum thresholds that you've reached. It doesn't mean that you're a superstar. It doesn't mean that you're at least able to read the checklist long enough to be able to fill it out. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, it's, it's like anything else. It's a start in the right direction. I mean, the, the, the problem that we consistently talk about in our industry is that it's very difficult to qualify and quantify people's experience. You know, other than during the course of, uh, you know, in, in an interview or you're bringing them in and basically putting them through the gauntlet. You know, what was yeah. it? Uh, what was it Georgia always says, you know, tell me what XLR means, you know. Yeah. And that one winds up being, you know, that one winds up being, you know, the best 
you know, a signifier of, you know, whether you've got the right person or not. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's great. Um, I, I think it really becomes a matter of it's great if everybody gets behind it. It's not great if just a couple of people are doing it just in order to be able to have a couple of more initials on a spec. And that's the only thing that I was a little leery about, you know. Yeah. If by putting that, is it really just a way to be able to say, yeah, the people who don't have this available are immediately uh, not going to be able to come in on the spec. That, that's the only thing that, that I look at. Mm. Uh, that's valid. Uh, Bill, uh, this comes to us from, from CNET, Control Your Lights, using Siri and a Wemo strip uh, switch. Um, are we getting to the point where, whether it's, you know, we've already talked about Android uh, and, and the mm -hmm. Apple going at each other. Um, are we getting to the point where guys like Siri, or guys like Siri, good Lord, things like Siri and our smartphones are going to start uh, invading the rest of our house? Well, this is actually sort of an update of an old product. Uh, I think it was called like the X1 controller that you were able to control uh, ele electronic switches from your computer in theory. Um I think the the interesting thing about this is what I was like what I was talking about before is that you know it because the Apple interface and the uh, devices are standardized, it's easier for people to to program for these. So it's like okay, we know that if we make this device compatible with iOS, then the people who are who are using it are you know there's already a built-in market as opposed to figuring out okay is there can we program this for Android? Is there enough people using Ice Cream Sandwich to make this worth our while, including the, the support fees? But it looks like, just looking at the actual device, it just looks like it's a simple on-off switch, which basically the only thing I can think of using this for is if you're on vacation and you want to turn the lights on so that it looks like somebody's at home. Yeah. Um, but I don't see it as this, you know, amazing Jetsons-like device where, you know, your house is greeting you when you walk in the door and giving you the news and everything. Give them You time. get a power toggle. Power yeah, toggle. It's, Sweet. <laughs> and this is something that, you know, this is something that existed in the 60s. It just, it was a, you turned the knob and it actually, you know, it was a timer. But now you can do it from, from your phone. phone. Phil, right. Phil, is he right? Is this a glorified X10 switch? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at my house, I can clap. And turn on my Ah, oh, there it so, is, the clapper. So, so should it be a big deal that I can tell Siri to do that too? I, I don't know. And you know what? If you can get clear, if you can get Siri to clap, then yes, it's a big deal. <laughs> uh -huh. No, man, I, I would agree. It's just you know, I mean, it, it's neat. You know, I'll, I'll give it that. And I think people that don't do what we do probably see it as as more of a leap forward than you know people like ourselves who are in the control industry. You know, and it's like okay, cool. So your phone can you know power toggle for you. But you know, if you're already running, uh, you know, Mobile Pro G or something on your on your smartphone, and you're already controlling a whole processor and doing all all types of functions, so it's not quite as big of a deal. You know, I, I'm controlling our biggest banquet facility with my iPad. I still thought this was cool. All right, <laughs> it's <laughs> so, Siri. It is. I mean, it's an inter it's an interesting application uh, on a consumer oh, level nice. of the technology. But you know, what need is it fulfilling? How many? How many people, how many, how often do you think, oh, I could wish, I wish I could turn on the lights in my house right now? Oh, Bill, don't, don't dilute yourself. There are no needs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's all wants. Yeah. It's all the ability to talk to my process. If once I can talk to my Crestron processor, then I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm toast at that point because I don't know how I'm going to tie in the digital joins with my voice. And that's a, <laughs> that's a Crestron programming joke. Um, <laughs> from AV, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, just doing our nerd laugh. Uh, 
Rich uh, from AV Network. Um, is AVISPL trying to take over the world <laughs> with Samsung? Um, they've uh, they've kind of expanded out of the 50 states, as it were. Um, with, with apologies to our uh, north of the border brethren, Matt Scott. Does yes. it really count as international expansion <laughs> if you go into Canada? Does that oh, even count? <laughs> you know what? I would like to have one podcast where we don't slam Canada in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Just say it. Not gonna be this one. Nope, not gonna be this one. <laughs> no, not this time. Not when Uncle Richie's on. Um, uh, <laughs> we, we we had on Brock McGinnis, who first of all has the best name in the world. Um, last month, who's also from from Canada, and uh, when I first met Brock at Infocom uh, in Vegas last year, I said I have a you know a, a couple other Canadian friends. I have uh, Matt Scott, who's from London, Ontario, and he looked at me and he goes, "That's not really Canada." <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. They have such an identity. Oh, they do. Uh, hey, good for them. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, probably Phil has a has a better feel, or, or somebody like Don, or you know, some of the others who who obviously either see AVISPL, you know, in their specs, or see them as a direct competitor. Um, at times, you know, I got to assume that you know, if you're a smaller shop. Uh, that is going to be a little bit of cause for concern. You know, they're, they're basically becoming the Walmart of commercial AV. You know, they're just acquiring and acquiring and acquiring to the point where, you know, you either go with them or you don't. Um, so, you know, it makes sense, you know, from that standpoint. I mean, they're obviously doing doing the work to be able to, to get it. The only, only issue that I have with it or the only concern that I have with it is that this did happen not more than 15 years ago prior you know there was a whole lot of other companies during especially in the bay area during the the dot com that they just grew by leaps and bounds you know bringing all of this commercial work in and all of a sudden when the bottom fell out immediately they started evaporating and being broken up yeah. so you know i i i, I got to assume that they have a pretty good plan and being able to handle the growth appropriately but you know whenever you start reaching out and you start building offices like that, unless you've got major clients where, you know, if you've got a Microsoft with, you know, what, 2,700 offices that you need to take care of, well, okay, well, it makes sense to be able to have regional offices in all areas of the globe to be able to support it as a unified solution. But, yeah, beyond about that, I was just kind of meh. Yeah. Phil, is, uh, is, is Rich right? Are they becoming the Walmart, and is that a good thing? Well, I've heard that they don't pay their greeters very well. Oh, so there it is. I would say yes. They <laughs> are now. Hire Canadians as greeters. Oh. That's it, business. man. Oh. Um, I don't know about becoming the Walmart, but I know that companies value consistency. And I think uh, that they're able to offer a consistent product from an installation standpoint. And obviously, from a, an equipment standpoint, they're specking in a lot of the same gear, you know, worldwide. And I think, you know, when you're a large company like that, other large companies look to you for their installation needs. So exactly. I mean, if, if uh, Toyota's got, you know, offices all over the world, they're, they'd probably appreciate the fact that they know exactly what they're going to get in every uh, office that they have all over the world and, and go to one vendor to get that. So that's just kind of what it looked like to me. I think they've got a winning formula from a, a business strategy standpoint. Uh, as Obviously, as long as they're not expanding faster than they can, you know, get those new expanded offices self-supporting, mm -hmm. Financially, I think as long as they're selling out of there, they're going to be fine, you know. So, how much of this company's budget is dedicated to preventing other companies from finding out that Skype exists? 
<laughs> that's a that's a great question. That's a very good question, yeah. Or you know, they could just start using stuff like blue jeans and just you know putting it all all together. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, guys. Last but not least, and this is just for the uh, the geeky and the um, the uh, 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 in all of us. Uh, Porsche Design Studio says this is the largest TV. So, Mister Fergosa, tell the lovely bride that you could have gone bigger. Uh, from Innovate, uh, InnovateOnTheNet.net, a 201-inch display. <sighs> see. The see best ya. part is not the display. What is it? The best part is the way that the display comes out. Um, <laughs> if, if you follow the podcast and you check the link, because it's part of an entire system. This, it, it's a 200-inch display. But it's like the Transformers of yes. display, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the coolest thing ever. I actually got an email oh. from a client, which is how I found out about it. He sent me an email. He's like, this is awesome. And then it was the dreaded, should we find out how much it costs? Oh, my question. gosh, no. <laughs> so I, I, I am trying to find out where I can legitimately see uh, or something like this. If you do that, let me know because I want to come see it. That would be, uh, yeah. It, it, it again goes along the lines of this is something I want to do just to be able to say in my lifetime I did it. As soon as I saw it, and you know what, it, it was it was like that two thousand and one moment where it's like the ground parted and this <laughs> and it transforms. I'm like this would be it. You know, at that point it's like I'd, I much like Phil, I'd walk out and I just drop my mic on the floor and walk away. And be like, Done. I'm out. Bam. I'm out. Bam. 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 These, uh, these things are basically the concept cars that you see at the auto show, where it's like, your car is going to look like a rocket ship in 1969, and then you never hear of these. So you're saying you're not ordering one, is that what you're saying, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> I often wonder about the engineers, because I imagine, I, I imagine like working on these projects has got to be like a reward, but at the same time, you have to realize, this is never going to see, you know... This is well, never commercial product. This is as, never a, gonna... as long as it's not the guys who develop the motorized stuff for the Olympics for the torch <laughs> a couple oh, of years ago. <laughs> then you're in good shape. Yeah. Then you're good. <laughs> Those poor guys. They probably got um, you know beaten or something. Uh, Phil, are we putting one of these into one of your fine uh, installations? Afraid not, man. It'll be uh, probably be a little while before, particularly before a commercial client wants to spring for one of these puppies. I'm, ju- um, but I'm just I... saying you're closer than Rich is to me. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so you can come by my place yeah. and check it out. Absolutely. Me personally, absolutely. Uh, from a business standpoint, it'll probably be a little while. I'm, I'm, I keep wait, I'm waiting to see this on a show like Pimp My Ride where somebody puts oh, it in the trunk of the car and just drives up and has you know has a mobile drive-in <laughs> system. Yeah. Best backyard crashers ever. <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, yeah, that would be that would do it too. All right, we will leave the 201-inch display to the uh, the only person uh, left here who, who has a football team, I believe, and it uh, is Mr. Fergosa. So uh, we'll leave we'll leave that to him so he can watch the big game on party Sunday. Party on! I, I I have uh, already sent out the Super Bowl uh, party invitations for my pad, hoping not to jinx myself. So <laughs> yeah, that's a bit risky, dude. You've got you mean you've got two whole weeks between you know Sunday. Well, and... the Super Bowl is going to happen either way. Well, that is true, but he probably <laughs> he probably put them in the in the, uh, the the orange no the orange but the 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 red and the gold. Uh, but but uh, well it, well uh, I, I have you to did, say didn't you? that we're playing the football game in my theater, which is lovingly called the dugout 
because it's all my San Francisco Giants stuff. I huh. watch football while waiting for spring training to start. So yeah. yeah by the way, I'm if you win the if you win the Super Bowl again, if you if you win the Super Bowl this year, it's just totally unfair. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I'm I'm a little nervous because I arose this morning to hear my motor from my projection screen going. So we may know by next podcast uh, whether. Whether my, whether we're getting past technical difficulties, I understand. Well, you know, you could always, you know, manually, you know, take it down. I don't know. All right, guys, that's going to do it for I, us. Yeah, yeah. Go we, ahead. We call me the white glove guy. You know, I don't, uh, I don't, I, I don't know the right side of the screwdriver anymore. Jeez. <laughs> but you're like the guy. Well, that's true. By the time you become the guy, you know, the Fergosa of Fergosa design, then yeah, you're you are the white glove guy. Maybe you're, we'll just you're the out. suit. You know, holy, cra- holy! Ca- when did you become the suit, Rich? Uh, I I don't know. You're the, no, you're the suit and the reporter. So you're the, you're the suit with the fedora. So that's it. All right, he is Rich Fergosa from FergosaDesign.com. Uh, he's in in in, in uh, beautiful um, Silicon Valley. How can people get a hold of you? Follow you? Read what you write? Or uh, or hire you if they'd like? Absolutely. First thing, if you need to hire me, uh, FregosaDesign.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at @rfregosa. Uh, you can find us here on the podcast, and also you can follow uh, the stories that I cover for CEPro.com. And uh, other than that, hey, just give me a call, and you know, I just like to talk to random people anyway. <laughs> he does, which is how I met him. Actually, <laughs> I'll tell that story sometime. Uh, Mr. Phil Cordell, he is the AV professional. How can people get a hold of you or find you, sir? You can find me uh, on Twitter at the underscore AV underscore pro. Visit my website, theavprofessional.com. And I got to make a plug real quick. Digital Signage Expo coming up. Uh, They sponsored a video for my song, Everywhere I Look Now. And then they created a contest around it. You make your own video to my song and submit it to their website. First place, they're giving away $1,000 cash. Second place, $500 cash. Third place, $250 cash. And fourth through tenth place, they're giving $100 gift cards to. So they're actually backing it up, man. So, uh, yeah, check that out, digitalsignageexpo.net. Wow. Or, uh, again, yeah, I know. Like, they, they made good, man. I was like, all right, Jeez. you guys are actually – I thought it was going to be T-shirts or something. They're going to yeah. give you a T-shirt. I'll put a link to that, dude, on the on the show notes. Absolutely. That's cool. And, and I, dead last, they send Phil to your house and make you dinner with <laughs> that, That's it. <laughs> now, can I – Go ahead, Bill. Can I enter the contest if I just take your song and put it underneath a white snake video? <laughs> oh! Rad. That, there are a couple that, white snake <laughs> videos where that would be, oh, my Lord, appropriate. <laughs> Uh, all right, that guy there was Bill Steitler. He is a associate editor of Appletel. How can people get a hold of you, sir? Uh, they can go to appletel.com and they can find me on Twitter where I am at B Steitler. At B Steitler. Uh, if you want to follow me, um, seek professional help. But in the meantime, go to, uh, I guess Twitter is the best, TD Albright, Tim David Albright on Twitter. But more importantly for me and everyone here at Aviation, go by the website, aviation.tv avnation.tv you'll find this podcast the live life the education all the other ones that we do um i'm actually starting to blog now uh after being beaten uh, about the head and shoulders by uh <laughs> by everybody else here that said you need to write a blog all right there you go here you go so uh we're doing that uh, we're on facebook twitter uh google plus and and so much other stuff but yeah start at the Friendster. website huh Friendster. Friendster. yes i am still on Friendster. <laughs> Uh, I think I have a, a, a an animated GIF as my avatar. Excellent. So, 
Uh, yeah, uh, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Uh, thanks so much for listening. That is all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs> <laughs>